The first reading is from Jeremiah. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people, it is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, or shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The word of the Lord. The second reading is from Ephesians. So then, remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the cornerstone of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel today comes from the book of St. Mark, the sixth chapter, beginning with the 30th verse. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And Jesus said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. 
When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. My dearest siblings, grace and peace to you from God in whom we live and move and have our being. Amen. Um, there's something I've noticed in my six years as a pastor and, and have had conversations with other pastors, and it's, it's um, something that's common within our country with a lot of churches. And this is what happens is that uh, members of the church will get sick, will go to the hospital, etc., come home, all better, and then tell me, hey, yeah, I was in the hospital. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me? I would have immediately come and, and been with you, and I would have sat with you, and I would have you know, been present with you, and et cetera. And um, the response is always the same. Oh, I, I didn't want to burden you. And I say, that's literally my job. It is literally my job to be burdened, to come and be with you in these moments. That's why I'm your pastor. Please do this. Now, I don't want you to think this is Pastor Chris coming down on the congregation. You all need to do better and tell me when you're sick or hurt or whatever. Because the truth is, I do this too. Anytime I'm sick, I don't want to bother anybody. I just want to lay in bed, right? Or if I'm, I'm sad or if I'm, I'm having a rough time, I just want to be left alone. I don't want to burden anybody. I don't want to make anyone feel like they need to come and help me. And it's... It's not because I think I could do it better on myself. I just, honestly, we are raised this way. We are raised to think that we have to take care of things on our own. When we're sick, when we're hurting, when we're struggling, we are raised to believe that we have to fix this on our own. We have to do it on our own. But antiquity was very different than this idea, which is important for us because we are people today talking about a community 2,000 years ago that didn't have this concept of individualism. It did not exist in the time of Jesus because a person needed a tribe. They needed a community, literally, to survive. The idea that a person could go out on their own and make it 2,000 years ago was not a possibility. There were just too many threats, and so a person needed that community, that tribe, in order to make it through life. However, there were exceptions to this community idea, and this is really where Jesus steps in in a lot of our readings, a lot of our texts, because if a person could not contribute to the community, either by producing resources or protection or whatever. If a person could not contribute, they weren't really part of the community. We're talking about people who had disabilities, people who had diseases that were thought to be contagious, like uh, leprosy, the elderly, small children, people from a different tribe. A lot of these folks were left at the outskirts of their communities or they just simply weren't considered to be a part of the community because they couldn't contribute to the well-being of that community. Yet isn't it interesting that so often these are the folks that Jesus reaches out to the most? 
Today in our gospel text is all of these people are bringing their sick to Jesus, just begging Jesus to heal them. This is never about Jesus simply healing people of their afflictions. It is Jesus giving people the avenue to come back and be part of their community. Because in the state that they were, whether it was a disability, whether it was sickness, whatever it was, they couldn't be a part of this element of their own survival. And so Jesus was often giving them that space to come back into their tribe, their community. In fact, what we see in all of our texts today is that God clearly has an affinity for community with all people. From the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, it is really about all people being welcomed into this sacred community. In our Jeremiah text today, Jeremiah is prophesying that something bad is going to happen to the Israelites. They're going to be exiled by this powerful force. And Jeremiah says the reason that this is going to happen is because their leaders, their shepherds, have not taken care of those in need, have not taken care of the people on the margins of their own community, have not welcomed people in as they should have been. And so God is going to judge them. God is going to punish them. In our Ephesians text, as Paul is trying to create this new community centered around the way of Jesus, it's not a community of just Jewish people, but no longer will culture be something that separates this new community. Jewish people and Gentiles are all welcome to be a part of it. And again, as I said, as Jesus is healing countless, countless people, he is the avenue for them to come back into their community. And I can't stress this enough, folks. One of the central hallmarks of our faith is community. Community is one of the most sacred aspects of what it is to be a Christian. Now, I feel like this is something that uh, we can understand intellectually. It's something we can hear about and say, yeah, I agree with that. And in many ways, we do experience community today, especially here in our, our little valley, in our little church. We all know each other very well. We see each other at the markets. We see each other around town. We do have these experiences of community. But we always have this choice available to us to go it alone if we want to. In fact, we're even commended when we do that, when we lift ourselves up by our own bootstraps, when we make it on our own, we are commended. We say that this is a value that we cherish. They didn't have to have help from anybody. They did it on their own. And studies show that when we do experience community, we often experience it with people who are a lot like us. People who have the same values we do, people who are part of the same religion we are a part of, people from the same generation as us, people who enjoy the same activities as us. And we also tend to experience community when it's enjoyable for us, when it's a positive experience. But often, as studies show, when it's with people who are different from us for whatever reason, or when it becomes too difficult to be part of that community, when it takes too much work we often duck out and go it alone. I want you to notice something in our gospel text today. We see that this community of people flock to Jesus to experience healing and wholeness. 
Now, even though Jesus isn't physically with us today, the good news of our faith for this day and age that it is in our gathering, it is in our experiences of community today, especially as we still gather around this way of Jesus, that we continue to experience healing and wholeness. For the Christian followers, community was always meant to be that space where we can come together time and time again and experience that same healing, that same wholeness, that same love, that same togetherness, that same lifting up that Jesus did for people 2,000 years ago. This experience of community, this coming together and taking care of each other, of checking in with each other, this is what gets us through, through a pandemic. It's what gets us through illnesses, through heartbreak, through trials and tribulations. It's what gets us through the rough days and make them so that they're not as bad. And it's what makes the good days so worth celebrating when you have people to come together and celebrate with. All of this is that gift that Jesus and Jeremiah are pointing us to in our texts today. But the work for us folks, the work for all of us in this room, is that community doesn't just happen. You can't sit back and wait for it to come to you. You can't wait for the experience to happen around you. Community takes intentionality, it takes work, and it takes dedication. And we have a phenomenal example of this today. Miss Eileen has been shepherding a community for 30 years, a community of small children ages two up through elementary school, and I'm sure she would say sometimes it feels like shepherding cats. But when you look at children and how they interact with each other, children often live out everything that I've just said so naturally, and it is such a gift to behold when you can witness it. Children just love each other, without any expectation of receiving anything for, for in return. They just do it. And Eileen will, will tell you that sometimes kids fight, sometimes kids hurt each other. But kids are also so quick to forgive each other and move on. I've seen one kid when I was working in my office in the playground yell at another kid, you're not coming to my birthday party. And five minutes later say, you're my best friend fully meant it. Kids are a little different than us, especially here at the preschool, however, because a lot of these kids, actually all of these kids, they've been kind of forced into a community. They didn't choose this community. Their parents needed childcare, and so they brought them here and said, here's your new community now. And that's a scary concept. Sometimes these kids come in kicking and screaming. They want no part of this. It's tough. And as much as I love lifting up the example of children, what I really want to lift up today is Eileen. Because as I've seen these kids come in kicking and screaming, these kids not ready to be part of this new community away from their parents, I've been able to see Eileen just love them through those moments. Love them through that kicking and screaming, not with discipline, not with sternness, but with just compassion and understanding. And see that within a week, these kids aren't even saying goodbye to their parents anymore. They're just running through the door which is really painful for a parent, by the way. <laughs> and sometimes these kids that have been a part of the community for a while, they do have really rough days. They have moments that are just emotions. 
And sometimes they become a little tough for the teachers, and so the, the, the response is always take them to Eileen. And for six years, I've got to witness these moments too, to witness kids having those really bad days. They come up to Eileen's office, and again, she just loves them through it. Loves them till, so that they can get back to that, that space of, of joy and fun. And it only comes through that love, that compassion, that grace that Eileen has been exuding for 30 years. As much as children are always a wonderful example of, of loving one another, what I really want to lift up today is, is Eileen. Doing what we are all called to do as Christians. It's one thing to be a part of a community, but no matter what, when we are part of a community, there's going to be moments of struggle, moments of frustration, moments of disappointment, moments of, of hard work. And it's in those moments that we need to become shepherds for our communities. It's those moments that we need to love each other in that space, give each other grace. And that's what I've been witnessing for, from Eileen for the last six years that I've been your pastor. That in those moments when we do come together, it's love that gets us through our, our struggles, that wraps us together to celebrate our joys and to experience this wonderful, wonderful gift of life. And we do this not because God commands it, but because the reward is that we get to live in a community, that we get to experience joy and sacredness with these people around us. We get to experience heaven in one another. Now, like it or not, we are all like preschoolers. Hear me out. We come to these communities. For most of us, we choose our communities today, but we come to these communities, and sometimes it's tough. Sometimes we come kicking and screaming. Sometimes we have rough days. And it's in those moments, I think, for the rest of my life that I will always think of Eileen, the person who I have witnessed most in the last six years shepherding people through that struggle with love. to extend grace and compassion and understanding, knowing that there's something beautiful in that community worth sticking it out for. It's that kind of love that gets us through the rough days, but it's also that kind of love that gets to accompany people through their joys and their celebrations. Being in community this way, it doesn't just create wonderful memories and meaningful relationships. It also creates heaven. Heaven for everyone who's a part of that community. I am so blessed that I got to witness the last six years and seeing someone live this out so incredibly. And as sorry as I am that, that she's moving on, she's promised she's still coming to church, though. I will always remember that example in what it means to be the best kind of Christian I can be. And I hope you will too. Amen.